Today's episode is brought to you by Get Your Guide. Want to make your next trip unforgettable? There's an easy way to do that. Book a Get Your Guide travel experience. Whether you're into food, nature, culture, sports, immerse yourself in the things that you love on your next vacation. For example, you could check out the Sherlock Holmes tour in London. You could take a pasta making class in Rome, experience the San Diego whale and dolphin watching cruise, or go whitewater rafting in the Grand Canyon. They've got a night helicopter flight over Las Vegas, a New York City street art and graffiti tour. They've even got a Chicago river cruise and architecture tour. Uh, I have to stress that my family went on one of these uh, architecture boat tours of Chicago, and it's absolutely phenomenal. Uh, So, I mean, this is the kind of thing that you want to turn to get your guide for. Whatever you're into, you'll find an experience you love. Discover and book your next unforgettable travel experience at GetYourGuide.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Alienware. During Dell TechFest, score game-changing innovations with limited-time deals on select next-gen Alienware gaming tech. New dimensions await with advanced gaming systems like the Alienware M18 laptop, powered by an Intel Core i9 processor, featuring awe-inspiring visuals, liquid cooling, three-dimensional audio with Dolby Atmos, and impressive overclocking potential. Your dream setup, amazing prices, and free shipping await you for a limited time only at Alienware.com deals. That's Alienware.com deals. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio automatically keeps out the sounds you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music and lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear. Hi there. Hi, what can I get you? I'll have a strawberry mango coconut probiotic smoothie with wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Welcome to Stuff from the Science Lab from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey guys, welcome to the podcast. This is Alison Lattermilk at HowStuffWorks.com, science editor. And this is Robert Lamb, science writer for HowStuffWorks.com. Today we're talking about exploding lakes. Robert. Yes. Do you have this talent of making yourself, well, talent, but this this ability to make yourself burp? Yes, I, I do have this ability. Um, <laughs> You've never done it at work, though. Um, I, I haven't burped in years. I just I just try and keep <laughs> this and just practice manners as much as possible. I do have uh, have the ability to make myself burp, although I will not do it on uh, on the microphone. And I'm not necessarily very proud of it. But lakes, as it turns out, can also release some pretty massive burps. These exploding lakes in particular that we're going to talk about today. And on the evening of August 21st, 1986, one such burp happened. That's right. Lake Neos uh, in, Le- in western Cameroon, in the very crook of Africa there. It's like 930 at night. Um, 
you know, villagers are tending to their cattle and their livestock in the area. And suddenly there's this monstrous rumbling uh, from the lake. And uh, they look out there and there's just this gas frothing up out of the lake, like, like, like somebody's opened a champagne bottle. Ooh. It's just rising up into the air in this column and then just beginning to expand outward from the lake. It's like a bat out of hell. Just moving out across the valley, yeah. And uh, and then, you know, these guys see this and they're confused. They're they're frightened. They go in to check it out. Oh, no. Yeah. Don't go out to check it out. Yeah. Because Bad then, move. Always in horror movies. Yeah. Never never walk into the mist. Just sit but, tight. Hide in the closet. Hide in your... No, that's not going to work. The, <laughs> the mist is going to come for you. That's true. We'll find out. And it did. It did. Uh, like, the guys who went in to check on it didn't come out it, and the mist kept spreading livestock kills over people are stumbling to the ground people were collapsing in their tracks pretty much wherever they were yeah and whether it, just, it was in the closet or outside or by the lakeside right it spread throughout the whole canyon there yeah the valley it was the about i think it i think it spread to um 15.5 miles mm-hmm. from 15.5 from the source miles. of that original eruption if you will and um, in the first two towns the first two closest towns neos and cam i believe everyone but four people died and I mean that that accounts for the massive scale. About seventeen hundred people died uh, with the eruption of this, with this limnic eruption or this lake eruption. Okay. They had no idea what happened. Yeah, like thirty six hours later, some of the people wake up and, right. and find that yeah, most of the people are are dead. Can you imagine how horrifying that is? I I can't even even imagine. I mean, you just have to think it was the end of the world. Yeah, totally. I mean, you wake up, you look around, your family members are dead, your neighbors, your livelihood in, in the form of livestock, they're all killed over. It's pretty terrible to think about. So um, the cloud, the cloud's gone about 36 hours later, right? Right. And people are asking questions, just, you know, what what happened here, you know? And they had no idea. Yeah. I mean, there, you know, it could have been a lake spirit. It could have been any number of things. They weren't really sure. Yeah. So they do what most people would do in this situation. You call in scientists <laughs> to examine the hard facts and figure out what in the world happened. And the scientists pretty pretty quickly figured out that CO2 had a carbon dioxide had a big role to play. Right. Basically, this cloud was a, a mixture of CO2 and air mm-hmm. that just ex- you know, that rose up out of the uh, the depths of the lake and expanded outward. Um, and everyone who breathed it in um, yeah. either lost consciousness or died. Those people who um, breathed in more than um, 15% carbon dioxide died. And uh, those who were lucky enough, quote unquote, lucky enough to breathe mm-hmm. in less, lost consciousness and revived, you know, about a day and a half later, roughly. Right. So the, the big question then becomes, how did this CO2 come to apparently be at the bottom of the lake or come up from the bottom of the lake? Yeah, where did it come from? Yeah. What was the source? A lot of CO2. There are... Two theories. Well, both, there were two well, there theories. There were two theories, yeah. Uh, two theories arose. Each one related to magma, liquid rock. Okay. One theory is that this was basically a volcanic eruption underneath the lake. We just had a, a geologic upheaval where magma comes surging up, releases CO2, CO2 explodes out of the, out of the water. And then the other, the other theory was more of a gradual time frame. And it, it, they basically said that, well, listen, CO2 has been gradually seep, seeping into the bottom of the lake from, for, for a long time. And the way it might have done that is if you think about how, um, a volcanic lake is formed as, as Lake Neos is and, and was at that time, it's formed because you have this, you know, hot liquid magma in the earth and there's weak spots in the earth's crust and the magma all of a sudden, you know, just busts up. And blasts this giant hole in the ground and, and forms this hole and eventually rainwater fills it and makes a nice right. lake. What was can... once the crater of an active volcano is now a peaceful, serene lake. Right, Lake Neos. 
Anyhow, the the tube that the magma uses to blast up through the surface is actually still in existence. And what happens then is that the CO2 takes advantage of this existing tube and it just kind of keeps coming up, kind of keeps right. traveling up the, you know, three to six miles. The yeah, because tu- you have a lot of pressure down there and uh, the pressure actually pretty much squeezes the CO2 out of the magma. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's, that's, that's how it rises to the surface, well, to the bottom of the lake. Right. And then it just sits because, right, CO2 is, uh, is pretty heavy and it likes to sit, you know, in this, this dense water. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah, at the it's got like 682 lake. feet of water on top of it. So I mean, we're talking about a, a pretty thick layer there. Well, so they had to figure out which of these hypotheses was right. And they figured out that, you know, the first one maybe wasn't such a good one. Why, why wasn't it a good one? Well, because, uh, we sent some guys out, or we. Uh, some guys uh, went the out Cameroonian there. Cameroonian government. Cameroonian government sent some scientists out there, and uh, uh, they ended up bringing in some uh, seismologists. These guys are used to, you know, encountering like, you know, really shaky conditions. You know, the near the summits of volcanoes or uh, you know high, you know, highly uh, active uh, earthquake zones, and uh, they come here and there's nothing happening. There's like. Little or no seismic activity. Yeah, they're probably just sunning themselves lakeside and drinking Guinness the whole time. Because Guinness is the the beer of Western Cameroon. <laughs> but um, but but then there was another uh, another telltale sign that this was not a volcano, right? Oh, right. They didn't find any um sulfur or I believe chloride in the lake, and that would have been indicative of a full volcanic eruption. But they found neither of those. Um, so that led them to their second theory, which was that uh, CO2 had gradually been seeping into the bottom of the lake. But CO2 in and of itself is really not enough to cause one of these massive lake eruptions. You need a couple other things. Basically, you, you need to ha- it needs to be pretty deep, which this is, 682 feet. Because uh, if, there's, if there's only a small amount of water between that bubble of gas and the surface... Than like a stiff wind or uh, or you know fish or you know a tree falling into the water you know, anything like that could or Nessie you, Nessie uh, you know monsters could set it off as well but it would not take much for that gas to be released sure but sure. if you have uh, a lot of water you know the more water you have between the surface and that gas the more of a disturbance it's going to take sure and then you're also going to need to uh, to be in a pretty uh, stable climate, like a tropical zone, right. where you're not experiencing summer and winter and freezes and and uh, and uh, summer heat. You know, you're just keeping a more or less a constant temperature. With the, constant temperatures, I mean, lakes tend to hold their uh, position more. And mm-hmm. what we mean by position is that you know the cold, denser water stays on the bottom, and the the warmer water stays um, on top near the surface. And when they trade spots, that cold and the cold and warm water. That's called an exhalation, or that's when the mm-hmm. lake turns over. And that's what happens where cli- with climates that experience se- seasonal change, you know, right. like in the... Like a know- natural release valve. Sure, yeah. sure, sure. So you really, I mean, this lake exhalation is a good thing, but it doesn't tend to happen in that in the tropical climates like uh, Cameroon, for example. Right. And then you have, uh, I mean, the, you need a trigger as well. Right, like, yeah. In this case, there's, they're thinking that there was, a, there was apparently a rock slide around the same time. Sure, so sure. So they think that... Uh, Enough uh, rock may have collapsed into the lake, disturbed that uh, gas on the bottom, and sent it rising up to the top. Kind of like if you've ever uh, had a mixed drink, where you can you, you can look at the side of the glass and see a distinct uh, difference between the layer of alcohol and the layer of mixer. Sure. Throw an ice cube in, and then that Things sends get everything. Moving. Yeah, moving. So that's that's may be that may be what had happened here. 
Right. And then, I mean, there's also scientists like to think that, or some scientists like to think that CO2 is inherently unstable in a, in a freshwater environment so that it really wouldn't even require a trigger. It's just a, generally a bad situation if you have those first three factors that we talked about already right. set up. So it just kind of builds up to it until it reaches a natural breaking point. Sure. Sure. So are there other lakes that face this situation? Uh, there are. There's at least one in the, in pretty much the same area, uh, Lake, uh, Monown. Yeah, and it happened, it had already exploded two years earlier. Yeah, in, uh, 84. Uh, so yeah, actually 62 miles in, uh, southeast of Neos, killing, uh, 37 people. Mm-hmm. Then there's, uh, Lake Kivu. Uh, it's also, uh, in the African Rift Valley. And then there's, uh, Lake Quilatoa. Oh, you Ecuador. saw a picture of this, right? Yeah, yeah, I was just uh, looking at it earlier. Really, really beautiful looking place. Um, tourists trekking in to, you know, relax by the water. But, uh, imagine after this explosion, though, it wouldn't be a very beautiful lake because Lake Neos changed color. I mean, it was this beautiful, deep, still blue lake. And then after the explosion, it kicked up all this iron rich, uh, bottom water. And so it, you yeah, know, is it like the color of blood or something? You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, so, I don't know. so how do you keep like that's, that becomes a challenge. How do you keep a potentially explosive lake from exploding or exploding again? Well, I mean, it, it kind of makes sense if you think about it. You stick a giant straw down there and you suck up all the CO2 and release it in a controlled fashion. And mm-hmm. that is, in fact, what scientists did at Neos and, uh, and Manoon. Although in uh, the case of like Neos, it took them like 15 years to get those darn straws in the ground. So it's such a safe environment for, for, for a while. Although they did take some other measures, right? Uh, yeah, they also put up CO2 monitors in the area. Uh, to keep an eye on the CO2 levels as well as just, yeah, just keeping an eye on the conditions. Yeah. So, I mean, would that work just like a, one of your carbon monoxide? Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Just, uh, yeah, just CO2 rises to a certain point. It's going to set off alarms. People are going to hear the alarms and they're just going to, yeah, try and get the heck out of Dodge. Yeah. Although I've seen this before. I'm not sure that, um, I'm not sure that people could outrun it. It's in the case of Lake Neos. I don't, I don't know that people could have escaped it. Yeah, I mean, it it seems to have spread pr- pretty quickly, and it you know sure claimed a lot of lives. So it yeah it may have been a foregone conclusion yeah. by the time that uh, rumbling was heard. Yeah. So now that we've contributed to your fear of swimming in lakes, now do we have to worry about this around here though? Ah, uh, not so much. I mean, take Lake Lanier. Have you ever been to Lake Lanier? It's frightening. And Matt, our producer, Matt, our producer, has uh, grew up around there and uh, probably swum in its murky depths. <laughs> Although there, there, are, there aren't so many depths these days to Lake yeah, Lanier anymore. Yeah, the, so that's that one factor. Drop. It's not really that deep. So right. there's probably... That's a strike against it. Yeah, one strike against it. And the fact that it's man-made is probably another yeah, strike against that's it. Yeah, another, that's another strike. And then I'm not really sure what the level of volcanic activity beneath Lake Lanier is either. So so we probably don't have to worry about it in these parts. But if Plus, you're... I mean, we're also not a tropical area. So even that's if it right, were... That's right, we had snow this year. Yeah. Yeah. First. Or maybe not the first, but it was, it was first. the first for me since I moved down here. So Cameroonians perhaps have more to worry about than than, than people in uh, colder climates. Yes. Fluctuating yes. climates. So now that we've contributed to everybody's fear. I know. If there wasn't enough to be afraid of anyway, you know. There are lake monsters. Yeah. Um, exploding lakes. Snakes. Lake uh, Disappearing lakes. Yes. Snibbling fish. Submarines with ghosts in them. <laughs> So you can read all about these crazy lake uh, happenings at HowStuffWorks.com. And you can always check out our, our Science Stuff blog at blogs.HowStuffWorks.com. All right. Thanks for listening, guys, and uh, happy swimming at the lake.
For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Want more HowStuffWorks? Check out our blogs on the HowStuffWorks.com homepage. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media. But now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. 